You are listening to Natural Born Alchemist. Welcome to episode number 318 of the Natural Born Alchemist podcast. My name is Alex and I'll be your host. I'm continuing my trend of having regular people on the podcast. Uh, not authors trying to peddle a book or some filmmaker trying to peddle their film or something like that. Just normal people connecting with others finding the others around the world and because this podcast is in English there tends to be a lot of American or or British people on the podcast as guests and which is fine but I also like to have people from other nations to get a wider perspective and today my guest is Rafael Diaz Melo and uh, he lives in Colombia and uh, yeah let's let's begin so thanks for being on the podcast hi Alex thanks for the invitation so can you tell the listeners a bit about uh, who, who you are and, and what you do sure uh, my name is Rafael Diaz I'm from Colombia I live in Colombia I'm uh, almost 40 um, I have a background in industrial design and have been working in architecture and uh, real estate. Um, I, I guess uh, we have some some aspects in common. That's why I have been following you on Twitter. Uh, I guess there are uh, several topics like um, psychedelics and uh, meditation and Eastern mysticism um state policies uh, i have uh, two daughters and a wife um what else do you want to know well i can start with uh, most people who live in europe or north america they have a a preconceived view of colombia uh, as like a wild and maybe dangerous place but you live there. So can you uh, talk about what it's like uh, for a Colombian to live in Colombia? Uh, well, uh, Colombia, because of this, uh, its geographical position and the different altitudes because of the Andes, you have uh, several cultures quite different one from each other. Um, I live in, in, up in the mountains in Bogota. Uh, it's quite safe. Uh, of course, you have burglars and pocket pickers in the streets, but it's safe. Um, it used it is it is it didn't used to be that safe uh, a couple of or a couple of decades ago, uh, when the cartels uh, were much more confronting the state. Um, there are some places in Colombia. Far in the in the in the forest, uh, closer to the Amazon or Putumayo, that they may be uh, dangerous because of uh, guerrillas still control some part of the country, and also paramilitary groups control other regions of the country. But uh, main cities and suburban towns are pretty much safe. I think it's fascinating with the cartels that they, maybe not now, but before, that they were as powerful or sometimes more powerful than the state itself. Uh, it's hard to imagine that in Europe to form like a, a group here that could be as powerful as the actual state. I mean, it almost feels impossible. So I think that's, uh, that aspect is very interesting. Yeah, because of the 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 profit margin of of coca is so large that they managed to to have a lot of money to corrupt anyone in their way from uh, police uh, officers to custom borders officers to ministers to congressmen 
even uh, even uh, president have been corrupted with laundry money. Uh, they have also helped them get into power. Some of those politicians, because they they are so rich. I, I guess that's the the thing, and because some regions of Colombia are so are a little bit far away from the command in the center that were left alone and those groups started taking control of those regions uh, and also they control the the drug uh, drug uh, lines or routes so in their way they have corrupted a lot of people in the in their way i've traveled a lot in in uh, latin america and south america i guess you could say and uh, one thing I like about it is that you can, in a way, break rules and bribe your way forward. Something you can't really do where I live in, in Europe. I mean, it's practically impossible to, to do something you're not allowed and just pay somebody and, and, and they let you do it. I mean, it won't happen here. I like that kind of aspect that it's still like a bit you can like talk your way into doing things or going places you're not really supposed to if you just pay a little extra. Yeah, even for a for a driving ticket, you can talk to the police officer and talk to them and you can get away with it, bribing him or maybe not. But then I guess there's other downsides. It's always pros and cons depending on what society you live in. Um, but um, is uh, psychedelics is that acceptable in Colombia or is it uh, is it highly illegal or mm, it's like a gray area uh, they are illegal but uh, ayahuasca for example the police doesn't enforce against them or against those communities who use it uh, down in the Amazon or in the Putumayo but you cannot go outside to a park and and turn and, and, and light up a joint. If a police sees you, they, they're gonna take you to, to jail. Uh, so it's pretty much illegal, but you can find sources pretty much everywhere. You can even on Facebook, so, sometimes you can find uh, someone who appears on Facebook who sells goodies. Uh, and uh, well, that's pretty much how it works everywhere. It's kind of illegal, but you can manage the way to buy what you're looking for. Yeah, I've been to, to Peru and Ecuador and Brazil, but never uh, Colombia. But uh, one day I'll go there. I want to go to the cloud forest area. Have you been there? I haven't been to the Amazon. So when uh, your interests in uh, the outlook of life in society, how do you see it? I don't see it working. I, I, I think uh, a lot of us are accustomed to the way things are, but I don't think it's, I don't think it's the way it should be for the state to be controlling and getting into people' businesses and all because of secure, national security, for example. Um, I think we deserve to be freer. But I guess the the guys in in the state that runs the state fear about uh, people being free to do whatever they want. Even religions is about that too. If we get too free, you're going to start doing things against the status quo. I think if I imagine anyway, I mean, I'm sure there's always going to be some assholes but in general i think most people if they were allowed to to be left alone uh, i imagine they wouldn't do much you know like they just you know live with their family and that's about it yeah that's pretty much my life i, I don't go outside uh, killing people or breaking laws i just don't want the state to get to get into my business and to track whatever i do or what i see or what i like i always had that thought ever since I was a child that uh, when I looked at war and conflict and all those kinds of things I always thought that it seemed to be a lot of unnecessary work you know I, I'm a bit lazy you know like I, I I mean it seems like too much work to like uh, 
have a, a dispute and try to have a war, you know, why not just like stay at home and watch a movie? I mean, it's, it's <laughs> like, it seems so like futile, you know? Yeah, to, to set up a, an army and to buy wars and to train people for war, for example. We should train people to dialogue. Do you feel in Colombia that the United States is like uh, some sort of puppet government? Are they like controlling it somehow? I don't think uh, people around think that they are being puppeted. But I think so. I, I, I feel like the the politicians there have agendas for more powerful people uh, that are, are not the the regular next door people, just really powerful, rich uh, people who want to things to keep going their way. Uh, it's it, I, I, it, it amuses me how America is so in love with war. Uh, you can see it in their movies, uh, in their TV shows. Uh, they love it. They love to wear the the, the outfits, to have, wear the badges, to carry guns. Uh, they all they think to love all that mysticism about the the war. <laughs> you don't see like any any peace, any peace character around, trying to or being let to speak. Uh, more openly against this kind of war culture. Yeah, I guess it's it's so much money in it that uh, they don't want want that. I mean, uh, um, I mean, most people when they hear about them sending that much money to Ukraine, somehow they imagine like it's the Ukrainian government or the Ukrainian people who get the money. But it's it's really just like a business deal. Uh, and the money just ends up in people's pockets. It doesn't go anywhere. It's kind of like when they did the bank bailout many years ago. It's just like the money just like somehow disappears. You know, they are not helping the the the, the bankrupt guy who, who whose business went out. It's not about that. It's about it's about saving the the rich uh, guy who owns the bank. It's it's uh, pretty similar what happened in Colombia like twenty years ago. It was called Plan Colombia. Uh, it is still runs, in which uh, Colum- uh, is, the U.S. used to to give Colombia like five hundred million dollars a year for war, but that didn't mean to 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 build a school or build roads or infrastructure. It was used to buy weapons, and we do not manufacture weapons. The U.S. is the one who manufacture weapons, so they give us the money so we can purchase them. The weapons, and uh, for example, the um, for um, eradicating coca plantations, we used to in Colombia we used to use uh, glyphosate, um, and we don't we don't produce it. The it is produced in the United States. So the United States gave us money, so we could buy them that chemical to poison our land. And everyone was in favor of the United States uh, helping us that way, but it didn't help us. It ended up um, increasing the power of paramilitarism because paramilitarism was and is affiliated with the militia, with the army. So it's pretty much the same environment well, with less money because they are sending huge, more, much more money to Ukraine than what they used to send us. Do you think that uh, Colombia handled the pandemic well, or was it the same as in like uh, most countries where they completely locked everything down? They, they, we used the same agenda, the same script that they forced us to to do as they as they do as they did in most part of Europe and the States or Canada, was the same script. Uh, we couldn't go outside. Uh, they they poured the fear everywhere. So people are just starting to get away from that, from that fear and start to live a little more normally. 
it's so strange uh, that uh, it's like this in because I lived in a country that didn't do anything, and uh, so I can't even imagine what it's like to be in that situation, um, and, uh, uh, and that makes it also more funny in a way, in a in a cosmic joke kind of way where one if it's a if it's a, a virus you know it doesn't know about rules and regulations it would it will act the same whatever it is and it's funny how it in you know one country doesn't do something and and another country does something else and nobody no journalist goes like wait a minute like uh, shouldn't we talk about this but they they never did that uh, which is uh, no you in, in Colombia, there are like two main um, two main broadcast media owned by a couple of very rich people, and they they say well, that they always on the government side. They don't they don't usually contradict policy because the government is a good payer and they 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 pour propaganda through their media, so they don't want to go against. The, the guy the people with the with the state that has the money so they usually just go along so you don't hear those voices they were all shut down and as, as well as it happened in other countries you were not even in Twitter you, you, you were not allowed to to criticize policies or vaccines yeah it's very strange and and, and I'm I'm surprised that so many people, don't even if they agree and uh, even if they think the virus was as dangerous as they say even if they believe all that and even if that's true uh, i'm still surprised they don't like uh, become more upset in the methods they used because can't they see that it will lead down the wrong road you know yeah it's harder for us to to see that we have been bamboozled than to than to figure out and to realize that it was a, a scam from the politicians to gain more power and control. No, because I, re I remember like when you're in school and you study the Second World War and you study Germany and, and, and the, the concentration camps and that. And I remember thinking like, well, uh, that, that won't happen easily again. But when you saw this pandemic, you're like, oh, it is pretty easy. They could easily like... Uh, redesign re society uh, and luckily in this case uh, it didn't become more than it was but I mean like if they want to next time make it even worse I mean it uh, now it's quite uh, obvious that it can happen very quickly and people will also adapt to it very quickly I mean if, if I say now that let's pretend next year Nobody is allowed to uh, buy food unless they have written permission. Everybody would think that uh, sounds r uh, ridiculous. Two, three weeks of uh, government propaganda and everybody would accept it's like that. <laughs> I know. I know it was weird because we, in, in those days, uh, the beginning of the pandemic, like March 2008, from March to June, you couldn't even go outside to, to buy groceries. You couldn't go outside to 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 get money to put food on the table, and every, everybody used to well in the media, they used to mock uh, Sweden for not doing what the rest of the world was doing, and not doing what uh, more hard uh, hard hand governments was used was was were doing uh, in countries like China, and some places of the states. Yeah, it's much easier to force people to comply than what people think, you know, which is scary. <laughs> I know we are, as humans, we are uh, manageable. <laughs> and a positive quality of humanity is that we can uh, get used to new things. I mean, we can adapt. That's why we've survived for so long. But the negative aspect of that is... Uh, propaganda it's easy to get used to something that's wrong uh, which is why i think that's why uh, free speech is so important because if you have free speech you can protect yourself from getting used to something that's wrong 
And I guess that's why they're trying to stop free speech. I'm listening to the same narrative and yeah, of course. If, if you, you you start if you don't get free speech, you you start living in an echo chamber where everybody says the same and reinforces that there is only one way to live. I always go by my gut feeling because I when the pandemic started, I I just saw the headline and my gut feeling was that it was complete bullshit. I didn't have any proof. I didn't know anything. I just had a feeling. And because um, I remembered, because it's not the first time they tried it. You know, they tried it like four or five times. And each time I was like, uh, oh, they're doing another one. So I just felt this was a new one. You know, they had the bird flu, they had the swine, all these different kinds. But none of them really had the effect uh, that uh, the corona did. Uh, and I saw this funny study where they looked at the media articles on corona compared to all the other uh, different flus they had in the past and it, it it's you can't even compare it. it it's like it's in the millions uh, in article difference you know which explains why it worked this time because there was, wasn't social media back as much when it was swine flu and bird flu i guess the, the social media played a big role in all this in, in getting all in line when i before the pandemic, like the a couple of weeks before, that was uh, in uh, February or March in 2020, I remember seeing some news of China and how they w- were managing the to contain the pandemic and giving the the hardest response uh, on people, and denying in their, their people their liberties. And what I felt was, well, I see our my government in Colombia. They like control. Mm, they like that people do what they say. So I'm sure they are going to lock us down. I don't know for how long. That's what it felt. And uh, the week early, I moved from Bogota to the country, like an hour uh, away from, from the capital, to a house uh, with a yard, uh, because I knew we were going to be locked. I don't know for how long. I moved in the the day before they locked us. Is it possible to for you to like uh, grow some vegetables or some stuff like that? Um, yes, I have a couple of things, but just like uh, to fool around. I have a couple of potatoes, some rosemary, um, like uh, condiments, more than like an actual production to to supply for the family. The weather, it's it, it, you could manage it with this weather. I mean, it's the, isn't it the perfect weather for like solar panels? I mean, it's quite expensive to get, but uh, isn't... Yeah, we have, we have pretty much all the year 12 hours of sun. If the coronavirus was as bad uh, as they try to make it out to be, and if uh, people... Uh, did what they were supposed to do like mask and lockdown and everything um i mean we we would all be dead uh, because it wouldn't have protected us so because uh, uh, i i was reading a lot about the the, the black death like the plague that happened and uh, i mean uh, if something like that happened and we all we did was lock down and social distance we would all be dead i mean it wouldn't have stopped anything so that's why it made it even more ridiculous. And in fact, I mean, I can laugh at it because it didn't really affect me as much. But if I was somebody like who lost my business or if I lived in like a place that was locked down, I would be furious, you know. <laughs> I mean, I would be really mad that my my business or my I lost my job or anything for nothing. I mean, it was for nothing. It was like completely pointless. I know. It, and it's an actual fact. A lot of people here lost their, their businesses. I remember I was mad that they, they allowed like uh, Walmart and McDonald's and those places to stay open, but they closed all the family-owned shops and restaurants. So strange. <laughs> it's strange how we complied 
why we didn't go out in the streets and tell them it's not going to happen. It's, it really is like you can shape your own reality because I, I don't socialize much. I like to be a, a alone with my family or, you know, I, I don't uh, run around like uh, a socialite or anything like that. And I don't watch the news or anything like that either. So I remember uh, after the pandemic had been going on for almost a year, I, I was in a shopping mall at one point and... I saw somebody with a mask and uh, I was like, oh yeah, oh, I I completely forgot about it because I had lived in a different reality. Uh, I hadn't talked about it or anything. And then that evening when I came home, I, 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 I turned on the news just to see what so and, and that's all they were talking about. I was like, Jesus! They st-, and I was like, they're still talking about this. Like, I mean, no wonder people are afraid. And I, I met a friend of a friend, and she said, "Oh, I haven't met my parents in a year." I said, and I was like, "Why haven't you met them in a year?" Well, because of the pandemic. I said, "Oh, oh, right." I, I, I kept forgetting that people were living in this fear world, and I wasn't. It was so strange. I, I stopped seeing my grandmother because of that, because I didn't want to get in an argument with the rest of the family. And why are you going to meet her and visit her if you could be carrying coronavirus? So all I, the, the old choice I had was not to visit and let them live by, by their fear. Yeah, it's strange. I mean, like uh, when you're like 80, I always said like when I'm 85 years old, and I, if I get the flu and I die, uh, it will be it will be normal, in my perspective. I'll be like, all right, that's the way I go, I guess. I mean, like, because everybody that I know that's very old that has died, they've always died uh, from getting uh, sick or breaking their leg or something, and they're so old that they, yeah, they die from that. That's how you die, you know. Like it's completely n- normal. I re- I, re- uh, I remember like four years ago, like three years ago more, uh, the sister of my grandmother, which was close to her and close to the family, she lived with her. Uh, she was like 90. And back in those days, my kids were in preschool and they got the flu pretty commonly. Like every once a month, they got uh, some sinus infection or sore throat or whatever, a little cough. Uh, and in, when they had those symptoms, I we, we didn't visit because we we knew that any any kind of flu could kill you when you have low defenses and you are that old. Uh, it was and back then there was no coronavirus, just any flu. And eventually, she died from a flu. But that's the way it is. What are you? Because uh, I also have children. Uh, do you do anything? What 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 is your plan with your children to make them uh, like uh, resistant to like uh, obvious like agenda and lies? I, they, I have been speaking to them and, and letting them know that politicians and people with power will always try to force society into things for their own interest uh, because they they saw they, they even saw the the awkwardness of the laws that you for example if you go outside to a forest and there was no one around you you were supposed to wear a, a mask so they they started questioning those laws it was great to see them question the authority and question the laws that's what you're supposed to do when you when you're a grown up, and they were already doing it. How old are they? They are uh, seven and eight. Okay, so they're uh, just a couple of years older than mine. But I remember wh- one because I said every time my uh, older daughter daughter asks me something I do not know the answer to, like for instance, uh, what happened before the big bang or questions like that I, I you know i say i i don't know you know i can Im- i have a theory but i, I don't know nobody knows uh, and she said to me 
that she thought I knew everything because when she when she was five she thought I knew everything and anything I said to her was the fact that the ultimate truth uh, and so I realized that uh, uh, that's how most adults act when it comes to the government like <laughs> they don't ever question it I think that's weird but it also makes it you know I'm trying to be conscious of the fact that I'm not brainwashing my children because I have certain views but they, I'm, you know they could be wrong I don't know but I'm just trying to make them uh, uh, form their own ideas, you know, you know, like that. I want them to question me too. I don't want to be like this control figure in the in the house. I don't want. I don't want to make them feel like I'm the dictator of the house who knows everything and every, everything goes by my will. Mm, it. I want them to. Well, my position as a father is I they want them I want them to see me as a a loving person a company for them uh, an example for them but I'm not the law I don't I'm, I don't want to be the policeman and I tell them don't don't make me be the police of the house I don't want to be in the house checking for things that you have done or not that's not my business that's not my job. Yeah, I I said to like you know like they're clever also because I told them like uh, you can't be on the computer, in uh, you can't be on the computer or the TV or the phone, uh, like uh, take a break from it, do something else. So then she went and got a uh, portable video game thing we have, like so because I didn't specifically say that one, you know. <laughs> that device. <laughs> Yeah, for example, I tell them all that too. Uh, I don't like it to be on the screen all day, but that's not because they're wrong or something with them that's wrong. That's, that's just because you need to spend time doing another kind of things, doing physical activities or drawing or whatever it is or hiding or whatever you want to do, but not that much screen time. But I don't want them to feel like they're wrong and that's just my position. No. You have your freedom and I want you to enjoy your freedom. Yeah, it's only when it comes to like, uh, I have very few rules that they cannot break that concerns their own safety, but I've explained it to them that it is for their own safety. You know, like when it comes to like cars or, or fire and water, you know, like. Uh, that is, uh, it's weird that, that that same position is what I, 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 I also I agree completely, but it's funny that governments use that same argument it's for your own safety i know what it's best for my own safety i'm a grown-up <laughs> but but the difference is like these are children and 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 the adults are supposed to be adults you know they don't i mean nobody needs to tell me how to stay safe you know i can figure that out myself uh, so this is why I think that uh, uh, it seems like society is just a bunch of babies, you know. <laughs> and uh, uh, when I talk to about like the philosophy of anarchy to people, because uh, most people view it as like it's like chaos and that, but in fact, from how I I see it, it's actually the most responsible thing uh, you can do because. It requires you to be uh, your own leader, yeah. And so you need you need to be like really responsible. You can't like uh, fuck around, you know. Like so, if you're mentally lazy, I mean, it would be difficult. It's a lot of responsibility that people don't want to have. People don't want to have that much responsibility. I think they lay that responsibility on another, on the big brother. To take care of me, I don't want to decide. <laughs> I don't know if it's genetic or something, but I, uh, personally, I, I've always really, ever since I was a little, I really disliked when somebody told me what to do, even if that thing was something I wanted to do. If they told me to do it, I didn't want to do it. I don't know what where that comes from, but uh, yeah, I feel it too. I feel it too. I guess it's from school, from the type of school we got. I guess. My, my, the school where the, which I went was pretty conservative. 
um, it was an Opus Dei school. Oh, can you talk a bit about Opus Dei? Uh, I've heard about it, but I don't know much. W- what is it? Uh, it's kind of a congregation among uh, or, or follow the line of the Catholic Church, but it's sort of independent. Um, they follow the like the precepts of the Catholic Church, but they also uh, the the way of seeing life is from a Spanish priest from like 50 years ago. Um, but it's really strict, uh, really orthodox. Uh, of course, my school was just males. There were no no girls in the school, no women teachers, no women doing the cleaning, just uh, women in the kitchen. Uh, you could barely see them. So only women in the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> where they where they belong. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> where they belong, exactly. They cannot go to <laughs> the, something I always criticize was why aren't they allowed to be priests? Uh no, 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 that's not for them. <laughs> they have they, they don't know how to answer to such questions. Uh I remember them saying uh, I remember the I guess we only saw, like, during the whole 12 years of school, we only saw two movies. I remember one of them, and they they played it when I was in first grade. It was about abortion. The the most crude and uh, graphic possible view of abortion of leaders filled with fetuses. So you can start to see their their ta- tactics and their their ways uh, we used to have a religion class every day we had to memorize a lot of things uh, at some point we were obliged to go to mass every day uh, in our in our um, in our in our grade like we were, when we were in ninth or tenth grade uh, we rebelled against of, of them obliging us to go to mass so they say, okay, you don't have to. You can stay studying, and the ones who want to go to mass can go to mass. Um, that was a small win. But they were very strict. So I guess that part of me that likes to go against the established control individuals is something that they made me, that position that made me take. They made me go into this position. Thankfully, I, I, back in the days, I, I was a, I was a Catholic until I was like, thirteen. Um, but a lot of questions were un- were unanswered, and uh, a lot of things you couldn't ask. I have something funny about that about the school is that they had uh, a lot of forbidden books, because they made you question your faith. Uh, a lot of uh, recognized uh, writers get in that category. <laughs> so they try to filter uh, everything so you don't go away thinking for your own. That doesn't work on me because every time something is not allowed, I, I, I will do it. You know, So uh, if they don't want me to read a certain book they should tell me they should force me to read it like you have to read this book i said ah, then i don't want to read it <laughs> but it's funny it's a pretty ironic with the priest uh, women can't be priests because i don't think if there's a god i don't think it has a gender but if it did have a gender i imagine it to be female me too but it it, it is uh, taking for granted that it's a it's a male god among the Catholic Church that I met, I still have a lot of uh, issues like a resentment against against the school and the and the church for that. That's it, I, it, it, it's awkward because it's something I had to to fight to find spirituality in my life because it was something I cancelled and became a, a nihilist, a materialist, reductionist. Because I didn't want to have 
And did you leave that kind of thinking uh, with psychedelics or, or? I think it. I think it had a major role, uh, changing that rigid view of life. It helped me see things a lot more malleable, more blurry, more integrated. Um, yeah, I had the same journey. I was a, like a hardcore atheist. Uh, but I think that's a necessary step. First, you have to reject it before you can reevaluate and then accept those things you rejected, but not accept them in the same way, you know. Yeah. I I, I started uh, doing yoga like 10 years ago in a pretty physical manner only, not any spiritual involved. Um, but at the same time, I started dabbing with uh, some psychedelics uh, and I started feeling uh, an interest in deepening the knowledge in Eastern mysticism. Um, the yoga was at the beginning one, one, one thing a week and it started becoming a more present part of my life. It's something I do every morning. Um, and also with meditation, but it's been a, a, a process and nobody's forcing me to do it. It's something I like to because I feel the, the benefits of, of it. Uh, something uh, that changed my view was DMT. Uh, totally messed my mind uh, upside down and broke all that, all that, Thing that I have in my mind that was so rigid that I take it for granted that everything was just well we got here in the in earth uh, we evolved uh, and we die and that's it it gave me a view of that well I guess anything is possible if what I just saw is possible mm. did you did you make it or did you somebody give it to you somebody someone gave it to me I had I had a, a vapor genie uh, that I used for cannabis. Uh, and oh, I remember, I saw that documentary like 10 years ago, The Spirit Molecule of Rick Strassman. And uh, the way people express themselves uh, like lit something in me. Like, hey, I, I want to see what, they, what they're talking about. And what I saw is that it cannot be just a hallucination. A hallucination is like a dream or seeing things blend to each other or see a pink elephant. It was nothing like that. It was perfect geometry um, that cannot be hidden in my mind. I don't know. So it helped me enforce and, 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 and want to deepen that uh, mystical and uh, spiritual side of our humanity if if somebody who hasn't uh, done uh, dmt themselves tell me that it's just a, a hallucination i always go like well if my experience on dmt was a, a, a hallucination then you're an hallucination because you're equally real right now <laughs> <laughs> exactly it was more real than this it had the, the it was so so weird that the there was no lights. Everything was solid, like of vivid colors, solid colors. But the the resolution it was so much higher than reality. Uh, like if you w come from seeing watching TV on a uh, Betamax from the eighties, and one of the sudden you get an eight K flat screen TV. Uh, that's like the difference. It's so much crispier and uh, fuller of color that it had no answer for me in my in my background of how reality is constructed it had no place so it shattered all that I, I remember the months afterwards thinking to myself what am I? what is consciousness? what am I doing here? like wanting to deepen that knowledge I wonder if most people, uh, like uh, your average human, 
if they even have time to consider those thoughts like who am I what am I doing on this planet you know because I'm really interested in those things and I sometimes forget uh, even though it's my interest so I can only imagine how little normal people think about that um, um, if they ever yeah I don't think they, they don't, they don't want to get go, go on fulfilling qu or getting questions that may have no answers or maybe the answers have already been given to you in church or in your house that it's not pretty simple we just evolved and that's it and you're gonna die or god made you on the seventh day and you're supposed to comply with his rules or you're going to hell there were like those two main streams of thought if i uh, was ever going to build a church to celebrate the, the mystery of dmt uh, the way it would look would actually be like those traditional mosques in the Middle East. Of all the different temples I've visited, amazing. And also the way they do it, like you take off, you go in bare feet and you sit on a carpet. I mean, I just it just feels so psychedelic, you know. So uh, I'm not talking about the Quran or anything, just the way it looks and, and the environment of praying in a mosque. Exactly, like, like a place, the place you go. It's like a, a pretty similar place. And also another aspect I like about uh, Islam is that uh, uh, they don't have to go to the mosque as long as they uh, face a certain direction. I mean, they can have their mosque anywhere. I kind of like that concept, you know, uh, unlike uh, like certain Christian churches, you have to go to this building, you know. Yeah, there's, uh, if, you're gonna go, if you don't go to the church, there's no God. You can only find God in the church. It's not inside you. <laughs> It's not everywhere. Have you ever read the Bhagavad Gita? Yeah, I read it once. I need to read it another 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 time at least. I read it like uh, two years ago. Yeah, it's it's one of those you can read many times. But I, I I I really like that that book. It almost feels feels like it was written recently, and it's like one of the oldest books. You know, it's like amazing how fresh it feels when you read it. But anyway, it was nice talking to you. Uh, do you have any any website or anything you want to uh, plug or your Twitter maybe? Um, not at the moment. Um, let me... Well, uh, there's a book I love. It's uh, anything from Ramdas. And I love Ramdas podcast. Uh, Be here now. It's really peaceful. Cool. Well, thank you for taking the time to, to be uh, on the podcast. Thank you, Alex, for having me here. Hope to listen to you soon or maybe seeing you soon. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel. Just search Natural Born Alchemist channel on YouTube and you will find it. And uh, follow the podcast in social media. And why don't you leave a nice review on iTunes and Spotify? It really helps. I'm going to close with a song I've played once before called Bella Ciao. And it's an Italian protest folk song from the late 19th century, originally sung as protest against the harsh working conditions in the paddy fields of northern Italy. Later modified and adopted as an anthem of the Italian resistance movement by the partisans who opposed Nazism and fascism. And in more uh, later years, uh, during the nationwide protests in Colombia in 2019, uh, this anti-fascist song was adapted by demonstrators to oppose the government. And even more recently, in March 2020, the song once again gained international attention after Europeans and Italians in lockdown uh, due to the pandemic uh, sang Bella Ciao from their balconies. So with that, enjoy and uh, as always, uh, freedom is in the mind. Esta mañana me he levantado Oh bella ciao, bella ciao, bella ciao, ciao, ciao Esta mañana me he levantado Y he descubierto al invasor Oh partigiano, me voy contigo Ciao, bella, ciao, bella, ciao, 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 artigiano, me voy contigo porque me 
siento aquí morir Y si yo caigo en la guerrilla Bella ciao, bella ciao, bella ciao, ciao, ciao Si yo caigo en la guerrilla Te dejaré mi fusil Cava una fosa en la montaña oh, Bella ciao, bella ciao, bella ciao Libertad 